Let's get going. Welcome to Red Eye, a conversation series where V and I sit down and have the type of conversation you would have on a red eye flight late at night when the world is asleep. All sorts of thoughts can pop into your mind and we keep things thoughtful and entertaining as we discuss these ideas. Today's topic is a changing workforce, and the future of the economy. Yeah, let's get into it, man. You sent over an interesting TikTok that I think will uh, kind of frame what triggered our conversation yesterday and what made us decide to talk about it today on the Red Eye. Absolutely. Let me get that TikTok playing so so our audience can hear a little bit of it. There's a little static, guys, so bear with me for the first, you know, I'll play like 15 seconds. No, no good conspiracy theory comes without a little static. Don't worry. They said it. <laughs> this is exactly what is going on. They want to force you back to the office, even though there is no recession. They'll tell you that. They love to add the words recession and work from home, recession, work from home. They put them together in their little press nuggets enough, you'll start thinking that. They're like, they know how to manipulate the press. They're good at this. And you might say, why? Why do they care if you go back to the office? Real estate, real estate. If we don't go back to the office, once companies are making more money right now, and they are, their profits are up. This whole thing about productivity being down is bullshit. Their profits are up, right? And people don't have to drive in. We don't have to be slaves to the company anymore. Companies are going to realize, the smart ones, I don't need all this space. I don't need 200,000 square foot. So what do they do? They pull out. They go smaller. Now what's going to happen to the, to the uh, building owners trying to lease that spot? They don't have anybody there. Their stuff goes down. And who invests in real estate? They do. You just eliminated their 30th stream of income. That's why they're So uh, pretty interesting, pretty interesting TikTok there. Um, essentially, like what he's saying is that there is interest in you know getting people back into the office and his view is that the entirety of the recession is actually like a part of that i i guess and so you know i think there's a couple factoids that i want to point out um you know a recession he makes an interesting point saying first i think the first claim is there is no recession so you know recessions are highly psychological and i think that you know, there absolutely is a recession, but I think the point he's trying to make is that there's no lack of profits at the corporate level that would drive the kinds of changes that we're seeing. But I think we're in the midst of a very interesting evolution. That's why this, this, this topic today is a changing workforce. I think with the changes in, you know, in how unemployment is and in the interest of the labor force actually take on jobs. And a lot of people just choosing like not to work for the most part or taking on more contractor type roles and choosing, um, choosing paths that involve a little bit more freedom than, than corporate America. We're in the midst of a really interesting time in society where the average individual, this is becoming more of a mainstream idea is not as interested in working for a corporation. And that can really, really significantly affect not only the power dynamic, but the financial dynamics of this country. And so this guy's claim is essentially that recession is like a valuable tool to create scarcity 
um, in the market to keep people essentially enslaved and having to take corporate jobs to pay their bills. Um, that's a lot, but V, where do you want to start with that? We got to take some bites here. Uh, let's start with the whole office space work from home thing. Cause that's the crux of what he's saying. Um, it has been an interesting change. Um, it's been an interesting change, the dynamic, um, of, of the workforce and, you know, corporations also at the start of the pandemic, essentially sending people home to work from home. And I think there's two sides to this, you know, anybody who has experienced being an employer during this time period knows that the productivity of employees has gone down significantly as a result of work from home. You have less oversight, you know, people are doing the bare minimum, especially people who are looking at their jobs as jobs, which is probably the majority of the workforce. They're not necessarily super passionate about their work. It's just a job. So you give them more freedom, more time and more distractions, quite frankly, with working from home. And the um, the actual productivity of human workforce has gone down. Um, and I think that that's, that's an important under thing to underscore here with with his his point about them wanting to drive us back to work. I think any corporation um, who truly cares about the growth of their business and also this is an important point which I'll support in a second, who actually cares about the productivity of their employees um, and is dependent on it, obviously will want their employees back to working from the office. The overhead of office space is 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 a cost, but it's it's not necessarily a real cost for employers because of how business taxes are set up in this country. It is an expense um, for most of these businesses that they are able to deduct. So this the cost savings there isn't realistic. He does bring up an interesting point about the, the actual tie to all of this office space and the ties to the the financial markets that are tied to that. That is an interesting point in terms of specifically the federal government who is supporting and independent on generating revenues from many of these loans that are uh, that are supporting the actual buildings themselves. So that's a good point. But the thing that he's not understanding in terms of corporate profits being up, yes, profit margins are up as a result of the increased automation, as well as the reduced overall expenses. Um, Businesses are definitely running more efficiently, but what he's not understanding is they're running more efficiently specifically because companies are able to reduce their workforce by automating and using, using technology to replace them. So if you're a worker, you should be wanting to get back to the office because this work from home environment over the next few years, you're going to see a reduction in the overall workforce. And the impact that that's going to have is not on the corporations themselves, but everyday people in society who need the 40, 50, 60 thousand dollar job to survive. Your need is being eliminated. So you should want to get back to work from office as well. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you broke that down really well. Uh, it's a great point on profit margins versus profit dollars. That's a big change. Um, and then um, I think the other thing to your point on technological advancement, what it's exposed along with like the lack of essentially focus of these employees is, is I think it's a two-sided thing. I think on the corporate side, 
what is exposed is that you don't need all these employees anymore. You, you can run your business in a lot leaner way. And, you know, I think a lot of people are realizing that. Um, on the employee side, I think what it really is showing is the lack of purpose that so many people live with in this country. Because if you were doing a job that, that was aligned with your purpose and with what you felt was your calling um, professionally, there would be no question of how much work, how much effort, how much value you create because automation would only serve as a tool for you to create greater impact for whatever business you're working in, whatever industry you're working in, right? So I I tend to see this as like kind of a disconnect that's formed, especially in in corporate America. I think it's less less severe with small and medium business because you're going to have more engaged employees. It's a smaller community. Uh, It operates a little bit differently culturally. But when you look at these massive corporations, the corporations also tend to own like a lot of this commercial real estate. If you look at the real estate markets in the states, they it's gone, I mean, absolutely absurd over the last several years, residential and commercial. And we're in this era where, you know, the last 20 years has, has really been defined by real estate with the real estate bubble bursting in 0708, us going through that recession, propping our propping things back up with the bailouts that we did in 2011-12, and then getting into another real estate bubble that uh, is just starting to come down right now. And so if I if I really like think about what what I'm seeing, it's just a few folks on the corporate side driving up the values on on that side of things to create wealth in a way that makes it extremely unattainable for the average person. And I think it's created a level of disenfranchisement. And I think like that to me is really what is happening from the workforce is they're being disenfranchised from the system. And that, to me, would create a lack of passion. It would, if, if I felt disenfranchised, I wouldn't wanna, I wouldn't wanna work for a company. That's why I don't work for a corporation mm-hmm. is because I am disenfranchised from that system. I don't buy into it, I think it's bullshit, right? And I think a lot of people are waking up to that. So whether you wanna call it an energetic shift or you know, kind of explain it more literally, like I think we're at a point where society is starting to ask questions of its leaders, like, hey, what the fuck? You know, like I've kind of been doing a lot for you and I'm just watching you, you know, during COVID go to parties when I can't during COVID fly to all these islands in your private jet. I'm stuck at home. I think it was a wake up call for people that things are not fair or equal, even in this country. Yeah. I mean, the truth is, if you accept a capitalist system, you are accepting that it isn't fair, right? Like it is certain, you know, it is who works the hardest, who works the smartest, who plays the game the best, right? And so that's kind of the issue here is I think it's easy to blame the big bad corporations and the billionaires and all these folks, but I feel like there's a lack of self-reflection from society as a whole, right? Like there's an entitlement. You're not entitled to someone paying you to survive and work if you're not creating value. And I feel like with the technological changes and advancements that's happened that have happened, people have been reacting and saying, boo-hoo, technology is replacing us without thinking about their responsibility to develop a skill set that is employable in the changing environment. This has happened throughout throughout history where the the environment and the labor force and what's needed to drive the labor force has changed, right? Even with the technological change would open the doors for a lot of internationals and minorities in this country that, you know, quite frankly, a lot of Americans idiotically say we want to get rid of them is the technological shift that happened. A lot of the IT workers are coming from 
India, from Asian countries. And they're foreigners because the people, the, the employment force here in America did not want to adapt and learn new skills. They didn't want to learn how to program or code or quality tests. They didn't want to learn any of those. They felt entitled to have a job, even if there wasn't a need and it didn't help drive the bottom line of the corporation. So I am with you in, in the sense of that's always going to happen in any capitalist market. The people at the top are going to try to extract value from the people below them as much as possible. But the fight was lost in the people below them in the sense that they weren't willing to change and learn and grow and develop. It's a sense of entitlement in this country specifically. And it goes down. It's not even in the high skill jobs. They're like, we don't want these Mexicans in this country, but nobody in America wants to, even the poorest of the poor in America, don't feel like they should have to go pick fruit or do some of the, the work that necessitates us bringing in this labor from Mexico. And that's where the disconnect exists. And Americans really need to look at themselves in the face I mean, look at themselves in the mirror and realize that a lot of this is their own doing as well. They've gotten fat and lazy. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And, you know, I think, again, I, I would share share that a little bit, like spread spread the responsibility there, because I think a lot of folks in today's generation were also born into a system that put them to sleep right mm -hmm. off the bat with especially like a lot of our a lot of our, you know, 40, 50, 60 year olds right now who are making a lot of the economic decisions for this country, 70 year olds as well. Um, you know, they were born in the World War Two era. They grew up in that kind of environment and that kind of like systemized hierarchy where everything was militarized. The entire country was a military industrial complex, like the amount of pride that history teachers took in teaching us about the war efforts when everybody in the country stopped doing their regular jobs and started making weapons, you know, all the women in the factory making weapons, fighting for women's rights. It's like, what are we like, when did that become, you know what I'm saying? When did that become the folks of our country? And I think what's really happened over the last, you know, hundred years or so is that we have created a global enterprise. And like, as much as I like to think I'm independent, you know, startup world entrepreneur, all of that, like the reality is we all work for this global enterprise because the capital is really controlled by the global enterprise. It's controlled by the theater that we see uh, during wartime, the way that the media is, is being utilized to create emotions amongst the public. And so I think it's, it's the kind of thing where if you do wake up as an individual, you are able to take that accountability. But you're right, like a lot of people in our society are in a position where they feel very entitled to um, receiving without, without uh, you know, doing anything. And I think it's, it's definitely like a perspective that likely will shift this country into more of a socialist direction because you're going to have so many voices that are entitled that are screaming for you know things that really have not been earned and it's going to be easier to placate those voices up until a certain point than it is going to be to really change like the system or structure of society so um you know i i agree with you completely i think where i'm curious is like what happens when we reach a breaking point where you know, when either like the things that people are demanding get too high or when the jobs in America are not being done by Americans, you know, what what happens to the country then does all the real estate and does all the asset essentially all do all the assets become owned internationally and the people in this country essentially become the new poor class for the world like 
to me, that's the direction that we're going in. And it'll be an ironic direction considering that, you know, it is, it's mostly your, your white Americans that, that are kind of on the wrong side of, um, you know, of, of history in this situation, meaning that they're the ones that are about to be the most exploited. Yeah, it definitely brings up an interesting time, you know, <laughs> chickens coming to roost, possibly, <laughs> you know, um, and that that is potentially it for the history of what, you know, you know, uh, not just white Americans, but white culture has done to this world throughout its history of exploiting and taking and 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 pillaging you know, through the colonial era, you know, the queen just died, you know, everybody was sad. I did not care, did not give a damn just because of what she represents. I like her as a person, but the fact that people still in this day and age in in, in a modern economy like England are crying about a monarchy that did nothing except for exploit and take from other people and they continue to celebrate and continues to do so. That whole operation is funded by uh, English taxpayers, the castles and all that stuff. And they have no real value except for symbolic value. Um, but to your point, like overall, it is, it is interesting to know and think about what would happen. The truth is that we as as citizens in the United States specifically and in other superpowers, we are contributing to our own system of control. We are contributing by contributing our tax dollars to defense spending because at the end of the day, we cannot really rebel or revolt against the system because of the fact that they can squash us. Um, and I don't care what the NRA says, these little machine guns and AR-15s that you're, you're able to buy um, aren't going to stop drones and, and tanks and, and weapons of mass destruction that have been stockpiled since World War II. Yeah. So um, the reality is... Yeah, I mean, and realistically, realistically, those guns, bro, like that that's part of it you know what i'm saying like people who who think the nra is fighting against the government it's as much a part of keeping you distracted than anything as anything else like the school shootings that's very much allowed in this country yeah. because then you don't question the leadership you don't question the congress and like what we should do is we should vote everybody out how many times have we done that never why why don't we ever vote anybody out it's because in reality people are very much a part of the system they're controlled they're in fear and they're kept in fear by the way that things play out and yeah i agree with you like the argument of oh no we need our guns just to, to, to defend ourselves to do this to do that it's like that doesn't even make sense yeah. because whatever gun you have like the kind of technology the military has you know you're dead if they want you dead like there's nothing that you're going to do against, you know, the future of weaponry and not to mention biochemical weapons. Like we talk about COVID, like I'm very much a believer that was a bioweapon that was released into the world. It was not just an illness that that was created. Right. And it's like, you know, whether you agree or disagree, like it could be much worse than what COVID was. It could be a hundred times worse than that. And it could be very easily engineered to be a hundred times worse than that if you chose to. And so when people make these arguments, you know, for one side or the other, it's just like you have to realize who holds the cards to your point. Yeah. You have to realize how much power you do have. And like the only power you have in reality is like for your own happiness and for your own joy. And that brings us back to this point of like the changing economy is like 
I think when people start to make decisions for themselves, you find alignment in terms of where they are able to contribute because it is, it is enjoyable to do things for the country, to do things for your people. Even if you think on a local, local level or just a familial level, like it's very joyful to do, do things to like contribute. So when people actually want to do that for the good of each other, we'll have a fantastic economy. I think we're in the point where a lot of people felt forced into what they were doing. Don't realize it on a conscious level, but subconsciously they feel something's off and this whole wave. And it's mostly, you know, millennials, Gen Z that are really like changing the way that people are thinking about this, but they're okay. Not working. They're okay you know, just sitting and chilling and figuring out what they actually want to do next. They're not desperate for a job. And like, this was something that really surprised me recently was seeing, um, seeing how many people still lean on unemployment as a system. Like if you're leaning on unemployment, you can't take money as a contractor from anyone else. You have to take your money for the government. So it's like for a grown person to go, you know, suck on the tit of the government and you know that's that's like how you want to survive it's just like it shows to me like a tremendous lack of self-confidence and it shows like a tremendous like just mental weakness in society and so you know i i think that we have a crisis of just like broken empty people who have no idea what the fuck that they want to do with their lives who are just so in this system of fear that they don't even know how to sustain themselves. So they have to go to the government as like a parental figure, even as an adult to help them to run their lives. And the reality is like, you can go to the fucking woods and survive. Like that's how the world works. You can just go into nature, grab some berries, you know, plant some things and you're good. You're healthy. You're, you're solid. You can do that really anywhere, anywhere in the world in, in a lot of climates. And all of these kind of fundamental skills are just completely ignored or when people get into crisis, they're unable to realize how much power that they actually do have to sustain and to live. Like it's not that hard. It's just, it's a very much a mental thing that people aren't, aren't cut out to be able to handle their own lives, even as adults in this country. And like, I, I would reflect that around the whole world, like the amount of people reliant on, you know, Oh, we need UBI. We need this. We need that. It's just like, why like so you can be more dependent on a system you don't control like i don't know i think that just doesn't work for me so i think i think that doesn't work for a lot of gen z and millennials as well and i really respect gen z for the the stance that they have the anti-government kind of anti-centralization stance they've brought into the market with crypto with nfts with shit like how they've diversified ownership of assets how they've made things digital and decentralized as opposed to having centralized governance um with an established entity that's controlled by you know the same usual suspects like yeah money flow might be you know influenced to a degree but ownership is starting to get diversified especially the digital ecosystem and i think that that mentality of an individual to actually give value to that economy and what the new generation is doing is going to drastically change the way that we operate as a society i just I think it's going to take like another 10, 20 years for us to get there. Yeah. I mean, there are definitely pluses with Gen Z, but there are negatives too. And I think the negative is that, yeah, they, they want power and they want control, but there's a huge sense of entitlement that comes from the fact that they are sucking off the tit, not just of unemployment or of their parents' hard work. The work ethic has declined significantly. Hiring these people into the employment force is very rarely um, it's it's a crapshoot. 
you don't know because they're not they're not conditioned to understand that you have to work. The first step, I love the fact that they want independence. They want to create, you know, autonomy, you know, rage against the machine. This has been a part of youth culture since I was a kid, since you were a kid, since the kids in the 40s were kids. There's always this element of raging. There's this machine, there's this system, and we have to reject it and we have to create change. But again, it's it's all for not because of we're not going to create change <laughs> as long as these governments own the weapons that can control society, right? And understanding that and adjusting to that versus always raging against the machine, but working within and understanding what the system is and 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 creating change within that, um, I think could be very much more valuably done than what Gen Z is doing. It just seems very random and it's built out of entitlement and a lack of understanding that if you want to create value, you have to generate that value through work. I think that the culture in, in America and throughout, specifically in American, is spread out, this whole Western culture, and has been developed by the by history, right, from the Roman Empire onwards of this idea that your role in society, if you want to win, you have to extract value versus creating value is something that's very much embedded in our society. And even how Gen Z is operating with crypto. The reason that crypto is struggling is it's all about the extraction of value of how do I get rich by investing in crypto without real thought put into how do we make this thing valuable as a utilitarian, uh, have a utilitarian value, then whatever value that it's going to have in the marketplace as a financial instrument will exist as a result of the value that's created. And that's not how this thing or these systems are being built. Yeah, yeah, very good point. Very, very good point. You have to understand the mechanics of things and get the street smarts down to actually be able to institute the change. The idea is a start, but the maturity needs to happen in the individual. And I think that that brings us to, you know, kind of a nice wrap up point here. I think with the changing workforce, there's a lot of good things in terms of, you know, new philosophies and technologies that are decentralizing. But the question always comes down to how do you use your resources? And like, you know, there's this quote I heard, um, I, I can't remember who it is. I wish I could attribute it, but it was this quote saying, uh, someone like, I think speaking at the end of their life saying, um, I just realized the whole world is a costume party and I wore my real face, yeah. you know? And I think it's just understanding that we do all, all play characters and roles. And this is all kind of a game in a sense. And the sooner you understand that, the sooner you understand how to play the game and the sooner you don't take it so seriously that your fear instinct for survival is a part of the equation. Once that's away and you're just like, all right, I'm playing a game. I know how to survive. I could go to the woods and survive if I want to. Like that's, that's no problem. As long as I believe if you have that understanding within yourself, then what can somebody take away from you? Nothing, mm -hmm. because they can't really affect your quality of life. You're just playing a game. And at that point, when the stakes are out of the out of the mix from a survival perspective, you have the autonomy mentally to make the decisions you need to make to create impact. And you know that hopefully hopefully we see a lot more of that in the next you know decade. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And and stop stop blaming. It's it's even if somebody else is at fault for your problems. Stop blaming them. The longer you live in that, because they're going to make the decisions that they make. If if you give people the power, a corporation has the power over your job. You better be prepared, preparing for what 
what do I do if they no longer want to employ me? You still are responsible for you. And, and that's something that I think needs to start being understood by people in society if they want to continue to thrive and survive. Absolutely. Well, on that note, that concludes this red eye. I think uh, I think the captain has made his uh, made his announcement. Little plain sound. Uh, we will catch you uh, next week on our next red eye. And uh, in the meantime, we will be jumping into a college football connection that you can you can hear in the next episode. So stay tuned for that. Thank you very much. And as always, be you. You as fly. Pilot Boys out.